Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. We're less than two weeks away from the opening game, Robbie. How are you feeling? Our opening game, but we got we got football coming up uh, this uh, this upcoming Saturday. That's so, true. That's and, true. Uh, it's uh, not a conference game for for uh, Miami and Florida, but it is it's big boy football. If uh, if there's nothing else, it it really is. And I was thinking about that game today, actually, and and I'm really glad like Tech's not the only game on because it's just going to be dissected like crazy that Miami Florida game. I'm glad we're not in it. <laughs> yes, that uh that'll be and I mean that's a big that's a big game that they moved up to the first week and then we get the launch of the ACC network on the 22nd, I believe it is. Yeah, uh, I think so, so 3 days away. Um it'll be kicking up. So I'm excited well, to Well, I won't be getting it because <laughs> I have Comcast. <laughs> I actually saw there's um there's rumors going now that Comcast is um they their deals getting locked up. They're being people are being told when they called in that uh, they're they're going to end up getting it. But that's oh sweet, sweet. That's, uh, I, I really didn't want to have to to face that like switching cable. I mean, no one wants to have to do that. You know, mm-hmm. if you like your cable, I'm happy with Comcast. Um, but yeah, I was talking to my wife today about like we might have to switch and our contract was up anyway, so it was like kind of convenient timing. Yeah. But I didn't want to have to, you know deal with the cable guy, sending the other boxes back, all the rigmarole to go through it. I'd rather just keep the same thing. So that's great to hear. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's message board rumor, but um, it sounds like there were a couple people that were getting that message from it, from at least from Comcast. So I'm, I'm hoping for you. I'm, I'm all good uh, with Verizon <laughs> on my side. So uh, okay, nice, I'm, nice. Uh, I'm ready to rock. So we're not going to do any cheers or any beer reviews in this podcast. We are doing this podcast simply to react to the Sports Illustrated article that was put out last week. And the reason for that is uh, this article isn't a positive thing. And our season preview is our next scheduled podcast, and we wanted to primarily keep that positive. And so we wanted to just give our reactions to this article along with just a few news and notes, and then we'll bring out our season preview in another two days. So look for that later in the week. But for now... We're just going to react to the article after I give you just a couple updates on what's been going on. And the first thing, quasi-related to team issues, is Dewan Ellis, the wide receiver, has entered the transfer portal. Uh, This was surprising, considering we both thought he would contribute this year. I think everyone did in the slot and otherwise, Um, maybe even in the running game a little bit and some sweeps and stuff. And uh, now he's in the transfer portal and looks like he won't be a part of Tech going forward. Yeah, talk about... (laughs) <laughs> what timing right with this SI article and everything um uh, I don't know I don't claim to know why he's transferring uh, obviously there's there's big things to talk about his mother about. and father put some stuff out on twitter you know yeah. I, I don't know if we want to talk about that or not no i it, it sounded I really a little don't care. messy and like it's a he said she said kind of situation yeah um you can find it if you want. I think the key play put an article out on it. So, yeah, it, it wasn't the uh, the cleanest of breaks, as they put it. So we'll, we'll just move forward. Tavion Robinson has been making a lot of noise in camp. And while I think his parents would indicate that that wasn't the reason that Dewan is leaving, if nothing else, it it's good for us that we have someone of Tavion Robinson's status coming up because it looks like he is going to be a stud for Virginia tech. Yeah. So that's, that's the, 
positive news, regardless of whether it had any influence on Ellis. I, I don't really care. No, it's good news for the program. We got somebody coming and looks like they're having a great they're having a great camp. The next thing I had was QB Braxton Burmeister. His waiver to play immediately was denied. We knew that was probably going to happen. So now Hendon Hooker or Ryan Willis will be our backup quarterback. I thought we'd have a starter named by now. I thought Willis would be named the starter by now. I think you did too. Uh, hasn't happened yet. Probably any day now we'll be hearing who the starter is, but this at least means one of those two guys will be the number two behind the other one. Um, Burmeister, though, does look promising going forward, I think. Yeah, there's a couple across the nation. Um you know, Ohio State, uh, you know, you kind of run through the list. There's names dropping. Um, Miami, obviously, announced the surprise of, of yeah. their quarterback, which was interesting news. But um, the, a lot of the names are starting to come out right now. Uh, so I think we'll, we should be hearing soon. But I, this is just all, in, in my mind, uh, just further evidences that as long as Fuente is our head coach, I, we will never have an announcement <laughs> that is more than like, you know, two or three weeks. Uh, right around of now. The, yeah. Because yeah. exactly. I was listening to our season preview from last year, which was 8, 8, let me see this, 8, 18, 18 <laughs> is when we recorded. And Jackson had just been named the starter. Yep. So uh, we're right in that time frame that any day now I'd expect the starter to be announced. The next thing I had was commitment of four-star shooting guard Darius Maddox to the basketball program. He's number 74 in the composite. And right now, with the addition of Maddox, we have a top 10 recruiting class in basketball for the 2020 class. Who who would have thought that this is where <laughs> we would be where we'd be sitting? Uh, Mike Young, I think our opinion of him was, like many people, it was a great coach. Um great schematically uh and you know the only question was going to be about what their um their recruiting level and he's you know um and i think it was just it wasn't even a question of whether he could it was just like well we'll see what happens you know we'll, we'll yeah. see and he's uh him and his assistants have been killing it on the recruiting trail which is uh pretty phenomenal and pretty exciting for the program and we've got chances for at a couple other guys in this class that are four stars, highly ranked guys, one of which uh, was on campus this past weekend in PJ Hall. So everything is going well for Mike Young right now. Let's hope that what we see on the court will translate as well. But I love the recruiting. love what they're doing. Let's get to the article. Ross Dellinger put out an article about Virginia Tech's 2018 season. It wasn't flattering. It kind of shed some light on what went wrong and why things were going wrong and hinted at a few other things. The most glaring thing to come out of the article was the throwing of games or the idea that players were trying to lose games. And I I do think there's some differences um, in how you look at that. And we can get into that in a little bit, but I guess just from a perspective of, of the team turning on itself and the guys not being all in and some guys quitting on the team as we hinted at in some of our podcasts what was your takeaway from the article did you did you see it as um a good thing a bad thing perhaps a pr move by the school like what 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 was your was your initial reaction to the article Toki fireman had put out on uh the key play the article and i think i was reading it i just happened to be online and i was reading it like almost immediately after he posted it 
And um, so I didn't have a sense of like, I hadn't seen a reaction from anybody. In fact, I was giving my reaction to a lot of people. Like, I think I sent a note to you and it was like, oh man, like shit just went down uh, kind of situation. And I shot a note to, to Joe um, as well. And my, my first read of it was, it was kind of, it was almost shocking. I guess is probably the best way to, to put it. I had to almost keep reminding myself that this article was about Virginia Tech, right? <laughs> because I, you get so used, and I like reading kind of uh, these pieces across the country, um, not all of them flattering, but um, it almost I, I almost had to keep being like, well, man, this was our program that had all of this going on because it was it was pretty pretty shocking. And I'm, I'm so used to reading those kind of pieces about other programs, and I'm like, man, I'm so glad that doesn't happen at Virginia Tech. And then I'm reading this one going, oh, wow, this is um, this is pretty bad. So I think the, my first pass through on it was shock. And then my second pass through on it was all of our assumed um, thoughts about what was happening in the program and kind of our, our the worst thoughts that we could have of what was going on ended up being, you know, 100% true. Uh, you yeah, know, we, they we, said, we said there's definitely, there is a problem. Like there is something bad. Like, you know, everybody was like, well, you know, it's just another transfer. People have things that they want to do. And we kept being like, well, I mean, there's, there's something more to it here. So it wasn't that surprising probably on my second pass through of the article. Yeah. We had sometimes explicitly said that seems like the culture is bad or there's a systemic problem. And I think you said on a podcast, like, it seems like some players have quit on this team, particularly after the pit game, I think it was. And we took definitely a little bit of heat for that via yeah. Twitter and emails and whatever we get from people. And it was so clear based on some of the effort being put forth that the guys didn't get along and that there was a not the fight you would expect to see from Virginia Tech. Saying someone quit is always dicey, you know? Yeah. And even now, I'm I'm hesitant to say that only because these are quotes of quotes. You know, this is, I think, Trey Turner's words from the words of someone else. You know, this isn't a quote from a player on our team. Yeah. This is a quote of a quote. So I don't doubt that they happened, um, but the way in which they were said, who they came from, we don't really know. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, ho I really hope we lose. Well, that could be said in a number of ways. You know, that could be said as kind of a joke. That could be said dead serious. That could be said in a way that you think it's a joke, but Trey Turner didn't think it was a joke. Yeah. The way all of this is interpreted, I'm still, I'm still trying to be careful, but at the same time, like something was wrong with the team, and that's clear. There was obviously a problem. The number of players involved, the number of players that quote-unquote quit or wanted to lose, we don't know. They say that the cancerous players, that's the way it was termed in the article, cancerous, are no longer on the team. Well, not that many guys left after the Marshall game. I, I know it seems like a lot in, in everyone's head, like we had tons of transfers, but if we want to get specific, which I don't mind getting specific, the players that left after the Marshall game, Josh Jackson... Chris Cunningham, Sam Denmark, Fullwood, Watts, and Kuma. Watts played with a broken arm. Kuma scored a touchdown in the Marshall game and in the bowl game and always played really hard. Who does that leave? It leaves a couple of players that I named. So uh, I'm. 
it, it's very weird. My, my guess would be it was either one of these guys that's left, and they said the guy that said it is left, or some of those guys that were discontent and not being cool and being bad teammates are still on the team, which is fine as long as they've turned the page. Yeah, I don't care either way. I, I Honestly, I could care less who said it, whether they're in the program or out of the program is irrelevant to me. Uh, it, it's it, It's saddening to know that there was that kind of, frustration i mean it sounds like the players were all frustrated there there was fault to go around and all of it, and and that fault goes all the way up to fuente i, I mean absolutely it, it it's carried throughout and especially you know he it, this is his program right so um i don't i don't care whether they're still there or not what i care about is is who has control of the locker room at this point and by all accounts um it sounds like the right people have control. I listened a lot to, you know, PAPN and Stephen Godfrey and, you know, a lot of pretty well-known national writers that also have good relationships inside of programs. And the number of times Godfrey and Braden Gall and some of these guys were saying whatever happened or what was going on at Virginia Tech, this was going on all during the offseason when they would do podcasts. I, I knew something was there was something real, right? Those guys don't go out there and say that kind of stuff. They don't burn those kind of bridges unless they had pretty good insight that there was something going on at Virginia Tech and it ended up being true. Uh, you know, by all accounts from the SI article, there was there was real systemic problems within the program. I don't care whether those people are still in the organization or or, or not. What I care about is who has control of the locker room from a leadership standpoint. And it seems even in the SI article that that, that has shifted um to to the right people that care about the program that want it to be more successful or at least are not going to say things that whether interpreted correctly or in you know not correctly are are going to be damaging to the morale of the, of the people around the program did you find it interesting the timing of it just because we're about to start the season this happened a long time ago and the fact that these players needed to be given one-on-one access with this reporter to get this kind of juicy information. That's weird coming from a normally tight-lipped program yeah. <laughs> as we've been the last few years. So do you think this was calculated in any way, or do you think they they granted access to some players and they got them talking? You know, I don't really know. I, I mean, the the... I'll give my opinion and that's solely all it's going to be. But so Dellinger originally showed up and I think he's even said so himself to do a piece on Bud Foster. Bud Foster is not talking about his retirement publicly to any media sources at, at all. He doesn't want it to be focused on him. He wants to be focused on the players. So when he showed up, he didn't really, he didn't have the story that he was trying to out is, is what he has, has said that being Ross and so he kind of pivoted, right? And he started writing about you know what he could, and out comes this piece, right? And the story, how he uncovered it. But he would have had been given one-on-one access, and he said as much that he was given one-on-one access. The timing is strange. Even more strange is that Fuente, during his presser, which I don't think helps anything, is said that he didn't read the article, which just that came out even crazier. I, I think it was, I do believe there was intent for this to come out. I think that the, at first, that 
the program, whether it be Fuente or Wit or whoever, thought that they, you know, programs go through bad times, you know, pretty often. I think it had gotten too much and, and it would just become too widely known that how bad things had gotten. And they wanted to clear the air and let them let people know that that's in the past, that, you know, that there were problems and Virginia Tech had moved past it. That is that is totally just my assumption, but I do think that there was knowledge and a strategy around having this release. I think that the timing of it probably was not what they wanted, and they probably would have wanted it to come out earlier. But I think yeah. at some point, it had just become its own animal that you know the fans had just become so frustrated with everybody knowing that there was a problem and nobody being willing to talk about it. Whereas now it's out there. I feel like the fan base can move past. Um, I am. I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast right now. Yeah. And we're separating it. And something you said there was key is that Dellinger went into it, and he, I heard him talking on a radio interview he did after the fact, that he didn't go into it looking for this story. So that kind of nips the idea of a PR thing in the bud, but you never know. Um, they might have become aware of what it was going to be about before it got published, and then we're like you know, let's try to use this to our advantage. But then, it, but then Fuente, like you said, dismissed it as soon as it got brought up. Uh, it, it's, it's like, there's a lot of, there's a few mixed signals on this thing, but either way, uh, to just take it from the whole, yes, it's good that they aired out all their grievances and turn the page. Let's, let's put this behind us. You know, let's fix what needs to be fixed. Turkey bacon, the workouts, you know, whatever it may be. Um, <laughs> But it also makes you concerned because how did it get that bad? Why did it get that bad? Fuente's saying in the he is actually quoted as saying in the article, we've seen it coming for a couple years. Yeah. Okay. And then he said, You see it coming and you're trying to stop it, but it's hard to. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're the head coach. <laughs> you know, I know it's hard to, yeah. but it should have never gotten to this point. And he can't control the injuries and he can't, you know, control Mook getting charged. He can't control Adonis and his academics. You know, he can, he can only do the best that he can. But at the same time, if you say, I see it coming, like, why didn't you do something about it? And why did it take five guys entering the portal in two days? For you to call the meeting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bizarre. But you can see how something like this would get out of hand, right? So you can't just kick everybody I off. Can. You I can't kick think everybody. snowball. Yeah, you can't kick everybody off the team because guess what? We also wanted to win, right? right. Like it was still important. The bowl streak was still important. The winning game streak, the UVA game. Like he can't just kick everybody off the team, the bad apples. Like you have to... It's this weird balance of like the fan base still wants to win, but then you're stuck in this position where you may have dissent in the locker room. And do I think it comes off very naive that he didn't know how bad it was? Yes, 100%. I think we all would agree with that. And I think... Honestly, if you could, you know, give him truth serum and and he, you know, had had to talk because he doesn't like talking about it very much, he would probably agree and just be like, yeah, I, this got out of hand and that's on me. Like I should have, I should have been more on top of it. But to say that you can't see how it happens, I think is naive, right? You could see how trying to win games, not being able, because some of the, I mean, <laughs> There were some productive players that left this program, right? Like, and there's only so much you can cut it until you start cutting into the bone. And um, I think that he was trying to balance the two, and things got 
things got crazy and um you know it's and then you had the youth and, and just everything associated with it just snowballed. yeah and i think that's a huge part of it too and it's funny you say the thing about the guys you know wanting to keep guys on the team you can't kick everyone off because you need to play the games and you got you're trying to win but like jackson cunningham denmark fullwood like they didn't play at all yeah they, they weren't playing at all at the end of the year you know so i mean cunningham was playing but not you know a super valuable part of our offense mm-hmm. um and Watts didn't seem to be part of that group. And then you got Kuma who like has this Twitter persona that's very divisive, but on the field, he never indicated that he was playing bad. It's, it's strange. Um, but like, yeah, Hill who got kicked off the team earlier in the year, NFL talent. Uh, Savoy was a pretty productive player in his short time. Kearney had the one good game, but I'm enlisting all the players that were gone before Marshall. Now I'm just trying to like, we had already cut to the bone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we were already there and they were still managed to win the UVA game and the Marshall game, which after reading this is really the miracle that we were able to beat UVA. Honestly, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe it. It's uh, pretty incredible. This. It's pretty incredible. Like that. Yeah. They were able to pull that out is, um, unbelievable and it should make uva feel even worse (laughs) for losing (laughs) yeah there's there are all the uva fans are posting making fun of us but it's like at some point you gotta like look back at yourself and be like man we still couldn't beat those guys like yeah sounds like it was a disaster and they wanted everyone wanted to strangle each other and they still couldn't beat us (laughs) but yeah what you said about the youth is was what i i got off track there for a second but the fact that we losing on losing on losing and it all started with that odu game it put a bad taste in everyone's mouth and, and unlike winning, which masks a lot of problems, losing brings them all to the surface. And when you got no veteran leadership, which we didn't have virtually any very, very few seniors, it just spun out of control. There was no guys to tell the other guys to get on track. And I guess even over the winter break, it didn't heal anything. The guy that's when, that's when like they had to call the meeting because they had a meeting it didn't go well. Guys entered the portal, and then they had to call the emergency meeting. <laughs> so even after the season, even after all the losing was over and they had all had a break, they still were fed up. Well, and I think you said another important point, which was you know winning can mask a lot of things. You got to remember that Fuente came in and he had a nine win and a ten win season and an ACC championship game appearance where. There could have been bad, you know, things that are happening inside the program that build into that systemic problem later on, and it really doesn't come to light until you lose to ODU and you go six and seven, and then all of a sudden, you know, it all becomes unveiled, even if there was, you know, stuff in there within. Um, and it it probably leads to my conclusion. All of this, which is, Fuente used for better or for worse, given that he's quoted, he used that card that you never want to use as a coach, which is, you know, we had problems, we've moved past it. Here's some insight into how bad the locker room got. Once you do that, the only thing he can do now is win games. Like that is the only Because it can't way. happen again. It can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's you no You can't excuse. have another all hands on deck meeting. People are going to not listen the next time. <laughs> yep. So... I, I'm not sure how I want to sum it up exactly. I guess my question to you would be, can a culture issue like this, that, that butted up like this, be fixed in eight months? You know, I was I was listening to um, 
I was listening to Cover Three, your your favorite podcast with Chip Patterson. They they actually talked I do about enjoy that podcast. Yeah, yeah, they were talking about this today, and uh, I walked away originally without listening to a lot, a lot of kind of larger narrative about it, and um, they were, they, I mean, they were concerned, like very concerned about. You know, you can't just have this come out and then, you know, flip everything around overnight. And then you have, you know, Bud retiring. So the, I think the mind- It's another layer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, well, now we know Bud, if he wasn't already like taxed from, you know, his health issue last year and stuff like that, he had all of this was going on in a program mm-hmm. that was relatively, you know, uh, we had the Michael Marcus Vick years and stuff like that, but a program that had always been relatively known as um, stable, I guess is probably the best way. Yeah. And this is anything but that uh, it must've been rough on him. So it's no surprise, but I think that we're going to know very, very quickly whether this problem and bud retiring unified this team, this for this 2019 se- season or to your point, can you really actually fix, you know, all of this in eight months? I don't know if I have the answer. I believe Dax. I believe those guys when they say how unified everything is. The question is, is what happens the first time they take a loss, right? And what, what, what? That is the moment because they're going to lose a game here at some point. That that is going to be the moment we're going to find out. Oh, I'm fully convinced all the problems are fixed and everyone's happy if you're four and zero. I think the exact opposite if you start 0-1 against BC and then fingers start getting pointed. But the solution for Fuente, the solution for the program to show us that it's fixed is simply to win. It's it's very, very simple. If they come out and they play really hard and they win, then we can feel good about, like, this really worked. Fuente really, he did what he had to do as a coach to fix a problem, um, whether or not he should have figured it out earlier or whatever, that's water under the bridge at this point. Coaches are supposed to stop the bleeding. Like Scott Frost last year, Nebraska got off to the absolute most horrific start, last second losses, all the stuff. I think they were 0-6 or something. Mm-hmm. And he he stopped the bleeding. And they won a bunch of games at the end of the year. And that's why they're in the top 25 now. Yep. Um, and to Fuente's credit, he kind of did that too a little bit because we were we were bleeding out, mm-hmm. and he, they managed to win that UVA game. They won the Marshall game. They went to a bowl, and they played well in the bowl for the most part. Uh, so, hopefully, this was just the next step in that healing process. He somehow he got the offense back on track at the end of last year. Now he got the team to be more unified in the off season, and we're going to move forward with both and win some games this year. But it's it's pretty wild to see to see your team being talked about that guys wanted to lose games. Yeah. And it's it's just like you said it's shocking. It's just shocking. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to make anybody any more nervous than I already am going into the season, but I I <laughs> this the ACC network coming out this year causing the BC to be the first game of the year. Um, an in-conference game literally couldn't come at a worse time for because it like it's already you know a game that you really need to win it's in chestnut hill i've talked at so much length about how hard it is to go up there and play because the atmosphere is absolutely you know very very subdued and it's hard to get up for for that game and then now 
you put this on top of all of that where performance on the field is going to let everybody know what that locker room is really like and whether it's been mended. Um, there is a lot riding on that game now. There is, but some people were saying maybe it's fuel for Virginia Tech to like show that last season is behind us. I don't think it's going to have any effect on the way they play necessarily, but as in terms of the narrative and how we're looking at this team now, maybe we forgot about some of those issues as of June and July. I know I was trying to, you know, <laughs> subconsciously forget about last year, but now I can't because I just read this article twice in the past three days mm-hmm. and it's like all bubbled back as to how bad it was. But I have been bullish on this team. You know, we've both predicted nine and three the last couple of times we talked about it. We think it's going to be a good year. It, the timing in my mind is just unfortunate because I feel like the, the, the guys in the locker room had turned the page on it. And then this comes out and just, it's a little bit of a distracting a distractment. I think it's actually good for the fans. Cause now it's like, what's done is done. Let's move forward. Time for 2019. It's football season. Let's go. Yeah. As of, <clears throat> as of Wednesday, when we click go on the recording of the season preview, I, it will be behind me. Because it, honestly, it really was like faded from my mind how bad last year was. And I've loved everything the guys have had to say. So I'm ready to go on that too. So thanks for listening to this. We are going to be posting our season preview in two days following whenever this gets posted. So you'll get this on Tuesday. And then Thursday, you should get our season preview, which will go over all the positions, rankings, what our expectations for offense and defense. Uh, one more record prediction and, you know, our toughest and weakest games that we think are going to come up this year and that kind of thing. So it should be fun. So make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, rate, review us. 2DVT at gmail.com is our email address, 2DVT on Twitter, and then it's also 2DVT on Instagram and our website, 2DVT.com. You can stream every podcast on there. Robbie, did you have any parting thoughts? Let's get the season rolling. Yeah, man. I'm I'm so ready for Saturday. I know it's at least it's an ACC team, like which we're more familiar with. I'm pumped to just watch some football, but I'm glad it's like two big names, like Miami and Florida. Like that's gonna be a lot of fun. And some Hawaii action. That's what's gonna be even better. <laughs> oh, that's true. The ten thirty game? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. And until next time, go Hokies. Go Hokies.